Welcome everyone to the Consistently Okay podcast. My name's Luke and I am here as always with my dear friend Nick. Howdy. And we're presenting you with a bi-weekly pod centred around pop culture that we do our very best to make Consistently Okay for you. Each month we give you one episode where we dive into something such as a film, TV show, game or a comic and we break down our thoughts and more on it. Our second monthly episode will be our in-depth series and this season we're focusing on Batman. From films to animation where we'll take you on a journey through the highs and lows, ins and outs, representation of Batman throughout the years. This week's episode is sponsored by friends over at Get Your Comic Con. Here they are to tell you a little bit about themselves. Hey super friends, my name is Neil. My name is Martin. And we are the hosts of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We are here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV, comic book and pop culture goodness from our studio to your speakers. You can pick up our podcast on all major platforms or head to our website www.getyourcomicon.co.uk for more. All right, Nick. Loki doki. Here we are. Nice. Finally. I know. Good. Good. Strong start at the episode we've both been looking forward to. Now we've finally seen all of Loki, but this is a this is a double header episode. Not only are we going to give you the gift of us talking about Loki, we're also going to be talking about Masters of the Universe Revelation, which has recently come out on Netflix a few weeks ago. Yes. And obviously Loki's ended a few weeks ago as well. So hopefully everyone here has seen both shows now because we are going to be talking about spoilers yes we've given everyone sufficient time so if they haven't watched them and we spoil it it's your fault it's not on us it's all on you yeah we're we're not feeling guilty no not at (laughs) all we'll start with the show that we both watched first obviously the one that's um well i guess it's been a few weeks now for sure since this is ending i like to think everyone enjoyed it as much as us so let's let's start there. Yes. Loki. So for those who haven't seen it, and even those who have seen it, a little bit of background for you anyway. So Loki is one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV shows that airs on Disney Plus. It's a weekly format show. It contains six episodes, roughly between 40 to 50 minutes, I think they were. Yeah. And Tom Hiddleston reprises his role as Loki, which is fantastic because he is by far one of the best things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 100%. It has a heap of other new characters in it as well as, wow, Owen Wilson joining the cast, yes. which is another fantastic addition. Although he didn't say wow. He didn't know. He didn't say wow. But I like to think there's a, a end credits scene somewhere for season two where he's going to say it. It's going to wow. be... I hope it's when he it. sees the jet ski. I hope in season yeah. two, he sees wow. the jet ski and you're just like, wow. Be great. Wow. Probably said or it too the, many times now. Or the jet ski is called. Wow. That would be a twist. Yeah. The, <laughs> the world of Warcraft jet ski. <laughs> so it's um it's quite I mean, it's a fantastic series. I mean, straight out of the gates. I think yeah. it's my favorite one of the shows so far. I liked it a lot more than although I really enjoyed One Division and I I did mind Falcon and Winter Soldier, although that we've spoken about that in a previous podcast. It's um had, had a few issues. Had a few issues. <laughs> don't swear, Nick. We don't swear. We do we swear. But this is no. this has elevated the TV shows, and, and rightly so because it has such a huge for a TV show. It's, it's the ramifications for this. I mean, one division obviously has ramifications after it as well. But this is yeah. the this is the big one. This is the one mm-hmm. where they've clearly sat down and planned out where it goes next. I heard Kevin Feige saying that you know they sat down and all the rules about the multiverse and everything that come throughout this and i think they nailed it for what could have been a really i guess confusing um story line it's it worked really well 
yeah, you obviously super. you enjoyed it as well, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved it, which is is rare for anybody else who's listened to this podcast. They know that I'm pretty critical of the MCU. Um, sure, are. yeah, um, and I think the the reason. I think it hit early on as well, though. I was like, this this could be going in the the direction that I've always wanted it to go to, in that I always feel like the MCU struggles with consequences. I feel like, um, you know, I, like I love DC, and that's because there always seems to be a lot of consequences in the world in terms of what these heroes are doing. Um, and I feel like with M- the MCU, because every film is just this massive superhero blockbuster by the time you get to the next film it's almost like that other thing just didn't happen and it it always just feels less interesting because of it um it sort of just feels like each one sort of copies the same and then in loki the bit that really hit me was um in the first episode when he's watching the like reel of um of who he is if he continued on the path past yeah um him taking on the avengers and he sees you know like the him basically being the reason that his mum dies and sees thanos and sees this trajectory that he goes down and i know that got a load of criticism like i remember when the episode came out those people criticized it for effectively marvel rehashing what happened but i think to the to the people that were kind of seeing that as an issue i, I don't think they've quite got what that moment is because that moment is to an it's not for the audience like no. it, it's about the story it's about this version of loki who hasn't seen those events seeing what his life becomes and giving him that kind of consequence of you know this is what you do to the people around you and um this is what happens to you ultimately like there is a change in you but you go through a hell of a lot of bad shit to get there and I think them, like the, the writers and directors and everything, taking the time to do that, I just think is is stunning. It's 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 shot in such a beautiful way, and Hiddleston's acting is amazing, and it just it really hit home. And I was like, oh my god, this this if this season continues in this trajectory of of kind of saying, you know, this is how heavy it's it's going to be, then um, I, I kind of thought, yeah, that this could be one of MCU's best kind of entries. And um, and it did. It did continue that way. It, I loved it. It was just amazing. I don't I just don't think it missed a beat in terms of every every episode. There wasn't there wasn't really an episode that felt out of place or it was it felt like every episode needed to happen for the right reasons. And it every episode almost changed the game a little bit because obviously at the end of the first episode you you know you know there's a loki out there but not mm. not the loki that we're looking at yeah second, second episode there's obviously them hunting then the third episode they find each other and that's a completely different uh, spin on the episode then when they're both together uh, loki and sylvie and then obviously then it's all about them against the the timekeepers that are at the tva and rain slayer and it just it just went so well and it felt so felt so fresh every episode it wasn't a drag yeah Definitely. And yeah, you know, like you said, Tom Hiddleston as Loki is just fantastic. And I, I loved I love the real thing. I don't really understand the critic. I mean, I can see why this criticism, but everyone gives criticism for something every episode, mm-hmm. no matter how good it is. Um, similar to what we'll talk about with Masters of the Universe later. Like there's always some reason for criticism, but it's not always warranted. Mm-hmm. But 
I thought what the way they the way they've written it that using this character was so pivotal to what is going to happen next because there's no one else that could have done this role I don't think than than Loki with the his story that he's already had and everyone already cared for him coming out of Thor Ragnarok as well everyone loves Loki don't they in this not everyone loved the character in Avengers even though he was the bad guy but he played the role yep. so well yep. I actually watched Endgame the other night again and it's so odd to see that bit when he goes off with the Tesseract because you know everything they're doing in Endgame just at the same time Loki's literally just yeah going through this somewhere else now going through it and obviously it's I mean I'll jump a little bit to the end but I, I feel like this Loki hasn't the way he ends up after uh, obviously before Thanos kills him that sort of arc he's on he's going to really pick that up again because he's you know he's come he's going to be back to being on track with Thor of those two cross paths again and it looks yeah. like he's in the Doctor Strange 2 as well now so he'll most likely be a, a hero in that series yeah I think they just they've been able to make a whole whole huge story from what where we saw him last off when before Thanos killed him to, to now and I think that's it works it's so clever it's just so yeah the writing is so good that they've it's not like they've just thought like oh he's showing up again Loki was he was always around he tricked Thanos he wasn't he was a projection blah 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 it's just we've brought him back here he is and we can just slot him back in and all this stuff has happened from his journey the TVA and things yeah I also really liked that that there wasn't a lot of um because I wasn't a massive fan of Ragnarok and what um it's not as bad as Civil War, but it's it's not great. Wow. Um, but it, I liked in this that he wasn't necessarily doing a whole lot of tricking. He wasn't no. kind of, you know, doing a lot of um, manipulation. I think in the first two episodes, he's sort of figuring out. He's trying, out. isn't he? Yeah. But, but then he sort of realises that there's this bigger thing and, and that's then the journey that he goes on. And I think when you get to that kind of end scene between him and Sylvie and he sort of says, hang on, we need to talk about this um, because this is a, a big thing. And the, the two people that are at the center of this thing are two people that he describes as one can't be trusted and the other can't trust. And so when you've got these two people at the center of making this big decision about the universe, I think that just makes it really, really hard hitting for Loki to turn around and be the one that's kind of like, but we need to think about this. Um, and, you know, even when Sylvie decides to to kill He Who Remains, the look on her face afterwards is just like, I, I don't what? know. What, yeah. And you just, I love that, that. Like, that is a consequence. Both of those have consequences. And I absolutely love that. I just thought the whole show through and through was just this, this bold kind of um, risk-taking storytelling that I hadn't seen in Marvel unless it was in Infinity War or Endgame where it's kind of like you have to have those those elements in there because they're enormous tentpole films. But for for an MCU series, I wouldn't have thought that they could go down this kind of road. Um yeah. It's just so interesting and yeah, just just so well done. I also absolutely love the score. I've been listening the to it the last great. few days. I really, and really like listen to the score as well. It's really, really good. And it yeah. sticks in your head as well. Yeah. Um, it's like Stranger Things good. Yeah, um, it is. 
I would yeah. love I'd love for little elements of that to sneak into like Doctor Strange too. Like so yeah. it feels like it's uh it's connected more so yeah. than just Loki showing up. But I think that's fantastic as well with, with this show and WandaVision as well. We've got Scarlet Witch and Loki and Doctor Strange too. It's just such a and what God knows what happened in Spider Man three, but yeah, it's really set up in a really good and interesting direction. Like if you were on the mm-hmm. fence of the MCU, like I know you have been so far, and I know you enjoyed WandaVision or elements of it as well. Mm-hmm. But you have to be looking forward to uh, definitely uh, Spider-Man 3 and Doctor Strange 2 because especially with the villain that's involved now as well and how, how good um, that, that acting was in that last episode as well for He Who Remains, a.k.a. Kang. Kang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the... Obviously and he's, knew... in Ant- he's in Ant-Man 3 as well. So it's yeah, just... That, that's just the thing I was going to say is... Cool stuff going on. Sort of with Kang, we knew he was going to be in Ant-Man and then... I think going into Loki, there wasn't any kind of question of like, oh, Kang's going to be in this. And then I think it was like first or second episode, there started to be little, that could be Kang. I think there's one of the timekeepers looks a bit like Kang. Yes, there's, then, yeah, there is. I, remember, I think we even spoke about it just before we recorded another podcast like a month ago or something. We said, could be Kang. And, um, and uh, again, it could have been that Mephisto situation with WandaVision. But, um, yeah, I did. I did. You're right. I, it could. I, I thought it was going to be like misdirection, but I think yeah. as soon as Elioth and the the green and the purple colors behind Elioth were there, I was like, "That's oh, Kang." Kang. Yeah. Um, not that. I didn't think it would be that version of Kang, though. I didn't think it would yeah. be more variant. That's the thing that I love as well is that they got to the the kind of end part, and it wasn't necessarily Kang the Conqueror. It was like a version of him who's like, "There's other versions of me out there that are." evil 10 times worse and you just kind of think fuck and i love that they can now have a villain in the mcu that could be portrayed in different ways like you could have him be the villain in like you could have him be an element of a villain in doctor strange but you could also have him be a villain in ant-man and he'd be two different versions of that villain yeah um i think that makes it really interesting and um I just think there's so much scope for it. I just hope it doesn't close off. Like I hope at the end of Doctor Strange. I don't. I don't think it will. I have a um, I have a slight theory. Is it too early to talk about end of Loki theories? No, go for it. I think yeah, you can go. So, for it. Although I haven't quite nailed it on yet, but I would think that Loki obviously comes back to CVA, and no one knows who he is. Mm. I think he has come back to the main. The, the the main timeline because obviously when he's in the TVA he's not on a timeline is he he's just yeah uh, well he's there but he's the what what they're looking at when they're looking at the main line that is that's the main timeline and Kang in this TVA which is part of the main timeline in essence he's obviously out in the open now isn't he and I don't think he's like the evil Kang I think he's just a bad Kang um bad Kang I, a bad bad Kang but I think the this, is, this isn't sounding as good as it did in my head. <laughs> but I think there'll be another villain in Doctor Strange 2, which yep. will come from something like Nightmare, maybe will be the villain in that, which is all the madness that's going on. Like someone like Nightmare is just feeding off of all of this stuff that's going on. Then Ant-Man Quantumania, Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumania, I think that is where they'll find out that there's a, a really sinister version going around the timelines. Um, and they're the ones yep. who are going to have to go and track him down yeah i don't necessarily think this villain will be the next thanos i think he'll be the big bad for this phase yeah um i still lean towards that a doctor doom or galacticus uh type thing will be the one that's 
you know, when they all come together the next time in not there'll be I think there'll be another Avengers film, but the next Avengers film will probably be against Kang, but this um the next big big one that's a huge, huge, huge Secret Wars type thing might be a Doctor Doom type thing. But I think there's I think we're gonna see several Kang characters, but there'll be one huge bad one that is you see for the first time in Ant Man. Yeah. I think I think Loki is gonna just have to I think he'll be I think he'll be like the Nick Fury now of the sort of mild films. I think he'll just Intriguing. pop up every now and again. That's cool. I think. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, I um I did really wonder about like what their their time span is on Kang. Um because I got the the feeling like so much of that starts to build the groundwork for Secret Wars. And I, I feel like that is something that they're gunning for. Secret, I think Secret Wars is their next end game. That's what I think. Yeah. But I think there's I think there's a few big films to come out, like another Avengers, like I said, yeah. and things, but I think Secret Wars is where it all all comes to a head. Well that I when I think that I think X-Men involved in everything, that's what I mean by the yeah, next yeah. big thing. Yeah. There's do you a, think they're gonna um, to do. do you think they're gonna tie uh tie Fantastic Four into Kang? Because there's a variant of him that's related, isn't there? Yeah, I think I think so. I think because he's related to Richards. Reed. Yeah. So I, I think all of this will culminate in a in Kang being the big a big bad. I think we'll we'll get. It's hard, it's hard, isn't it? Because you can't. I wouldn't throw Galacticus in the Fantastic Four film. I also wouldn't put Doctor Doom in the Fantastic Four film straight mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. I think they need to be planting seeds for that first. So that's why I think Kang, because Fantastic Four is. That's the end of this phase, if I remember. Okay. Right. I think the last that or Blade, maybe. Um, I mean, Blade could easily come out after Fantastic Four and not really be like sort of a, you know, like Spider Man ended Phase Three and Ant Man ended Phase One and things. I think. Yeah. I think if they're culminating Fantastic Four, that would be a, probably the best way to sort of end this sort of a phase and then head into something different, like tease Doctor Doom at the end or something. But mm-hmm. I think Kang will be involved in a lot of it. Uh, Fantastic Four, Ant-Man, obviously, Doctor Strange, um, and I'm, I'm happy with that because I think he's, I think it's a good, it's a good villain. I think, um, what's his name, Jonathan Majors, Majors. He he played the role really well, but obviously, yeah, so well. the thing for him is he's got several versions to play now, hasn't he? So, yeah, uh, yeah. I think as a as an actor, that must be awesome to just be like, I can, I'm playing a villain that is done in a million and one different ways. Um, I don't know if I answered your question, then, by the way. I, f- I feel like I've rambled through my theories. And I think you did. Sense, but... Um, but I really, I, I, the thing that I, I love about Loki, and I hope that isn't, um, it doesn't get lost in a second season or anything, is I love that they take the time to just have moments where they sit down and have convers- conversations. Like, I, yeah. I feel like that's something I absolutely love about DC, is that throughout. Zach's trilogy there are so many bits where they it's just two people sat down they're having a conversation and there's like a real kind of um like gravitas to it it's just really heavy whether it's Batman and Alfred or um like even the small scene between like Alfred and Wonder Woman about tea and stuff stuff like that there's just a a nice the canteen scene's good in Loki isn't it canteen with yeah. uh, Loki and uh, Morbius yeah it's that's that's really what I was gonna scene. say yeah, like their relationship, it takes time to do that. And um, I love the conversation between Loki and Sylvie on the train, like where it's just the two of them yeah. just sat talking. And then even the finale, like the finale is bold in that 
it doesn't come down to like a massive fight. It's just these three. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's such a good because when he when you first see he remains come down the lift and he's eating an apple, you think, okay, where is this going? But easily you think within five minutes of that they're going to be fighting or something. But it's just talking and it's so good because it it sort of it doesn't rush anything. It would be so easy to rush that into something like a fight and action, but then not actually kind of understand what he remains is about and why he is why he's just sitting there at the end of time. But they take the time at least for 10, 50 minutes with the the way he does the cool thing on his desk with the, the actions and stuff. That's like, so cool. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can follow this. I get it. Like I understand what's, I don't understand it at all, but I just, I, I can follow this and it makes, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and like you said, with Loki questioning, if it was the right or wrong call, like it's, the stakes are really high. If you were in that situation, you know, do you let the person that you're in love with find some sort of peace or do you think, right, there's a bigger picture? And Loki being who he's been in the past, is it's a huge moment for his character. And really, it really does, if he was coming off like a good guy throughout the series, that really cements him as in, like, and that's why people won't like it as well, because Loki isn't a good guy, is he? No, um, yeah, exactly. It's just... But you, but you, you see all the, when the, all the branches are teeing off and everything, is like you think, oh, you know, this is, not only is that happening, and you just immediately your head goes to like, right, we're going to get Tobey Maguire, Spider Man, and Andrew Garfield. That's Andrew, Andrew Garfield's Andrew branch Garfield. right there. Yes, yes. Which is amazing as it in its own right. But also, you have, you know, Loki when he comes back to the TVA and he just, he's, he's just, it's such a good visual. He's just gutted. He's so gutted. Yeah. He's back to where he started in the TVA. And you already see him thinking, like, right, like we have to fix this. And just to see that it's completely different is is a really good thing. I just think the whole, the whole last episode was it, yeah, insanely well done. Um, they just pulled it, but they pulled it back, didn't they? Like that's yeah. what I'm trying to say that the moment they walked into the, the castle or the building, there was just, there was nothing else going on really. There was obviously you had little bits of the TVA, but that was quite calm as well. Yeah. Um, that, that was, the, I think that's the thing with, with Loki or through is again, cause Loki's not really a, a fighter. He's not like the, like I'm going to go fist to fist kind of, you know, he's, he's mischievous and he sort of plays around. And I think had they had like a massive action finale, it just wouldn't have felt as right. Um, but having it as just the conversation and, and it'd be really fucking ominous as well. Like the, again, Jonathan Major's acting is just insane, but the, his dialogue is just, the it's just so it's captivating. Really yeah. yeah like you you can't help but just sort of be fixated um and it really sucks you in and i, I thought that was really bold um again it was i love just... the fact that he says that he see he'll see them soon as well when he's about to die it's yeah just like he just it's like he just it's almost because he obviously really cares but he's also like yeah this will just i'll yeah. be right back here anytime soon like but every all this shit is going to happen in between that and then it's uh yeah it's really it's, cool what it's gonna so say? well done so well what was, done. What was oh, we talking about the action. Obviously, you got the action in the penultimate episode, didn't you? With Elias yeah. and yeah, yeah. Like Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant is that is the gift. It was amazing. The gift for the year so far is Richard E. Grant saying glorious yeah. purpose. It's uh, he was so it was so cool to see classic Loki. And every end of the episode had a nice little. Oh, I can't like I can't wait for the next week episode because of what yeah. just happened. Like Alligator Loki and Kid Loki, it's, mm. uh, and Worthy Loki. Just President Loki. It was also. Yeah. It was just so good. I think that that's the only episode where the only thing I was a bit frustrated by was um, 
Owen Wilson's character Morbius having a having the car and so so easily finding Sylvie. Like that's yeah. just the slightest criticism I have because I thought oh, I was a bit too a bit too easy because yeah, I mean it's circumstantial, isn't it? It's just sort of circumstantial, like, yeah. Um, but that was the only thing that stood out to me. And pretty much, I think I don't think there was anything else that at all that I ever think. Oh no, my wife I always bring up in the podcast. She she loved it as well. Um, I don't think I've seen anyone that has enjoyed it. People that aren't even that big, and obviously that I work in a comic shop and. We, we can't get enough Loki comics in, which is always good to see, isn't it? It's, it happened with WandaVision as well, people buying Tom King's Vision and nice. and Scarlet Witch comics selling. Is that the, the best thing is when you, with these TV shows, I find is people coming to try and find some of the source material and yeah, want to read more. Definitely. I, Fantastic. I think that's, yeah. That, that's sort of like um, a lot of this show reminded me a little bit of Invincible, where it was just sort of every episode you just couldn't wait to watch. The next one and see kind of how far they're taking it yeah um I agree and i think again it's it with the source material i think invincible makes you want to go away and read the compendiums and just sink into it and i think loki's the same yeah. where it's just sort I of agree. you really want to it's... absorb that character and kang i feel like he's a character that um you know i think he's the name is familiar to a lot of people but probably, i don't reckon a lot of people know him um, like I remember ages ago seeing a, I can't remember what book it's from, but there's one where Thanos takes on Kang, and then Kang basically just obliterates Thanos. Um, yeah, there's like a piece of dialogue there that Thanos is it says something like, um, uh, "I want your skull as a trophy" or something like that, and then Kang just like obliterates Thanos, and he's just holding his skull. It's like that's so cool. Um, not that we're going to get that in the MCU, but um, I mean, Kang doesn't have a lot of powers, really. Either he's just yeah, like, he's just I don't recall him having any powers. He's just super, very intelligent and a scientist, isn't he? Which is yeah, I mean, he just goes through time, doesn't he? And he like manipulates things through time, really. That's sort of his his thing. Um, but he's just what awesome. You, what did you think about the Sylvie character? I thought she was wicked. Yeah, I thought she was really cool. I was, I was kind of glad it wasn't. Um, Lady Loki, and it was more kind of Enchantress. Is that a name? Yes. Enchantress, yeah. I, I would think um, that, I mean, did we speak about this before? I can't remember if it was you and I or someone else that they're obviously they're building towards it. It felt like they were building towards a young, a young Avengers because yeah. Enchantress is in there and obviously everything else is going, looks like they're pulling little characters from different different areas. And yeah, I, I would wonder if she would be in Doctor Strange too as well. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but I, I don't know whether you distract from the plot because I feel like you have to have the meeting of Loki and Sylvie. Um, and I don't know whether that takes it away from Doctor Strange. I don't know if that's something you save for, for season two. I guess it depends it. on how long the film is because I feel yeah. like that between that and Spider-Man 3, there's going to be so many moving parts. Like how do you cram it all into? When you watch these episodes, especially ones that you really enjoy like Loki, you think... 48 minutes isn't enough yeah you know, like to tell to finish this story obviously it did work out for this but sometimes they, things are so short you just you know how do they how do they cram it all into a, a two-hour film it's, yeah well I, I thought it's crazy that loki gets so much done in in 47 minutes whereas a, a 52 minute episode of falcon and the winter soldier just goes nowhere 
it comes back to the script though, doesn't it? It's like yeah. saying with all with the talking, those moments where they take you can get a lot done in in five or ten minutes of TV time when you're just talking and establishing the story compared to more more action where yeah. yes, the story progresses, but you don't really find out anything. Yeah. So you know, for instance, with Falcon Winter Soldier, one of the best bits was that opening fight scene. Uh, not opening; it was an opening of an episode with U.S. Agent Falcon and Winter Soldier, and that was you know, 10, 15 minutes and stuff. But yes, it was cool and stuff, something, and I guess that's what that that show needs. But you, you didn't get many of those. Yeah, I feel, I, it wasn't a lot of scripts. You got Falcon and Winter Soldier talking sometimes and everything, uh, like yeah. in the therapy and everything. But it wasn't the same uh, as what you no. get out of these characters talking and you i mean that last episode like you said you put action in the fight season finale and you put anything if you open that episode and you still have to wrap up the penalty episode when they're on they're at the the drop zone with a life then you, you yeah you just half the story, don't you? yeah yeah and I, I i just really appreciated that I, I really and i think that's clear from the first episode as well the first episode really sets it up as we're not necessarily telling something that's going to be um action-packed i think you know they, they were more telling something personal to loki about sort of finding his place in the the universe and really kind of hammering down on his character because again in that first episode you know you've got the the scene where he just sees the infinity stones in a drawer and to, to this version of loki that was the goal is like the infinity yeah, stones, the tesseract and for him to sort of be like there's a pocket in the universe where they just mean bugger all like what have I been doing? Um, and then, you know, you follow that with the scene of him seeing a death. You follow that with all these kind of moments of him just just finding the the kind of gravitas. And I think his relationship to Mobius is incredibly beautiful in the way that it feels like the first time that Loki's got a friend that isn't Thor and, like, isn't his brother. It's just somebody who understands him is like willing to give him a chance and sort of say you're better than this um, and you could be something if you just put your mind to it um, and I read somewhere as well that I can't remember whether it was the director that said this um, but the hug between him and Mobius just before they sort of leave each other um, in that penultimate episode uh when I watched it, I was like, there's a lot of emotion there, which I really like, like more emotion than I think I've seen on a Marvel screen since like, you know, Infinity War. Um, God, God. Um, and I read that uh, part of the reason for it was that because they were filming during COVID, neither of the actors could hug anybody. And so they sort of used that moment as like, this is our hug. And I think you can really see it that not just as like characters, but as actors, there's like a real respect and just like a, we've done something that is a labor of love. And, um, yeah. and it's they all seem to really enjoy it. It's a really good thing to, I didn't know that. So that's awesome. But yeah, you, they really, really, you can see from the behind the scene things and reading about the director going off to visit Tom Hiddleston and talk about like, just to talk about his character and what they're going to do and, you know, that's why it's going to get a season two, isn't it? Because it's yeah. it's, uh, it's a resounding success. And I I think I think the only thing that for me is a bit I feel a little bit odd about is obviously we've got Shang Chi and the Eternals coming up next. And I feel like how can you how can you switch off from what's just happened now in Loki to I said that to to get to this point because obviously there's the main timeline, right? 
So Loki is somewhere, like I was trying to say, in a very confusing way. I, I think the TVA is still focusing on the main timeline, which I don't think has necessarily been affected. I mm-hmm. think it's still running. Like on that timeline, like everything is hit going accordingly because if you if Loki is still alive on that timeline, that changes everything for the next Thor film and everything. So I think that is still intact, but they don't realise these branches are breaking off at the moment, yeah. which is... Um, I think the first time we'll see it is obviously Spider-Man 3 when all this stuff is going to start happening because you've got Doctor Strange and Spider-Man 3, haven't you? So mm-hmm. all of this stuff will be going on. There's something in that end credit lead to Doctor Strange 2, whether it's Loki showing up or not, Loki saying, hey, I'm at the TVA. There's this big bad guy called Kang who is now front and centre of the TVA because of something we did. And obviously everyone's going to untrust Loki again and all this stuff. But to watch Shang-Chi and... Obviously, you're going to have to... I mean, Shang-Chi, I re- I'm very excited about Shang-Chi. I, I wasn't originally, but now I'm quite excited. Oh, I really like Shang-Chi, but I wasn't impressed with the first trailer, more so with the second trailer. And I think with that in Eternals, it's like people are going to be thinking, I just want to get to... I just need to get to Spider-Man 3. Like, I have to... I have to yeah. have more of what's going on now because it's just... I know, I know COVID has shifted everything around, like we said. Like, it was supposed to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier first, and then you were supposed to get Black Widow and yeah. all this stuff. So... It just feels like it's a bit scrambled now. It's like, I, I almost wish Shang-Chi and Eternals would come out before Loki. Mm-hmm. So then we had Loki and then Loki would lead into, even if there was a series just to break it up a little bit, like a Hawkeye or a Ms. Marvel or something that was maybe didn't have so much, um, I guess Hawkeye is probably very linked to Black Widow. So if there wasn't much to, like it doesn't have a huge effect on what's coming next. Um, but but I wonder if I wonder if that's it. I wonder if because um, I could see the Eternals being linked to this. Like if they've said they've stayed out of um, out of society and out of all the, the the kind of shit that's gone on until now, is that because of the multiverse? Is it because things are branching and they're kind of going shit? This is something to pull us out now like we need to correct something that is going wrong that we can see um and shang chi sort of acts as just here's a character who's in a sense um going to be integral to the mcu down the road so maybe you know post credits maybe something there is setting him up for the wider picture but he's yeah. sort of the palate cleanser of like look something massive's just happened here's this then you've got. Yeah, I think palate cleanser is the right. You're right there. That is the right way to look at it, like a palate cleanser, which is yeah. like like after Infinity War, we got Captain Marvel, didn't we? And all yeah. that was important. And like after Endgame, you got Spider Man. But yeah, I think someone did say to me that obviously with Shang Chi and the Eternals, if you're trying to set up new heroes to replace the ones that we've we don't have, like Iron Man and yeah. American, obviously they're going to be, especially Shang Chi. I would I would assume the next Avengers lineup will have. You know, Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, um, Falcon, Winter Soldier, potentially, and, and things like that. So you are right, and that's what someone said to me as well, that these would be important players down the line. I just I just kind of wish Loki went into... It's probably just me being eager to see what comes next, but I just would like... I would have loved that to be shifted. And I wonder where Loki yeah. Season 2 falls in, because Spider-Man 3 is out at the end of the year. Doctor Strange 2 is out... March? March, I think. So... Yeah. Do you try and get Loki season two? Because they, I mean, they've obviously they've wrapped it now. Well, it's done and dusted, and they're probably moving on to some other things for it. But you know, could you film? Could you start filming Loki? Because Doctor Strange two is, I think it's still filming now. 
think. Yeah, I think it is. I don't think they've finished. Do they go straight from that into Loki season two? And then you have Loki season two happen before Doctor Strange two. So you've got uh, something in between the two of them. But who knows? I am not Kevin Feige. I don't have the answers. I'm just thinking, what do you do with Loki season two after Doctor Strange two? I think it's definitely a curious one in terms of what they can do. Um, And I think... I just because I saw Black Widow again a couple of days ago because I went with um, Harry who hadn't seen it, so we watched it again. And when when I was watching it, sort of having seen the finale of Loki, I was just sort of like, I sort of, like when you see the post credits, you're like, I just don't don't care. Like, there's a bigger thing going on, and um, I would rather that be the thing, like Allegra as a character, Allegra Valentino, whatever her name is. It's just like, I just don't, you're small. Like in comparison to what has just gone on, like in comparison to he who remains, your character means fuck all. It's going um, to be something on the ground though, isn't it? There has, she has to be linked to, uh, there, has, there has to be linked to someone like I mean, she's, she's basically playing Lady Hydra, right? Yeah, like, yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just kind of think like, they're what, it's not wasting of time, but it's sort of like, I don't, it, it just doesn't go anywhere. Like, especially after you've got a series like Loki, where you're kind of going, this is like super emotional, super heartfelt, super personal. That's what Hawkeye should be. Hawkeye should be again, follow that plot line, but just, just about Hawkeye. Don't give me this bullshit. Yelena's coming after and fucking Allegra is involved. Like, just, just tell me a personal story that ends with Hawkeye going like, look, I'm going fucking deaf somebody's got to replace me because there could be another Thanos out there. There could be something else out there. And if there is, I need to know that this mantle of, of what I've built holds up. And I feel like they're the, the Allegra thing is not, not wasting time, but you should have just done it earlier because what you've got yeah. now is this big multiverse thing. And that's the thing that, I feel like all these TV shows should sort of be um, not linked to, but sort of the reason that it's like the Avengers are, have gone through this huge thing. And there is, a, in a sense, a whole of they haven't really been um, replaced. Like Cap's gone. I know you've got the new Cap now, but he doesn't have an Avengers. Natasha's gone. Thor's buggered off. There's a hole there. And I feel like these shows should almost be these people going like, somebody needs to step up. Um, and in, in the background of that, then you're kind of going like, the reason they need to step up, like as the audience, is you're going like, yeah, you've got something okay. that's going to hit really fucking hard and disrupt everything. Um, you said it before when we spoke that, I, and I agreed, I do agree with you with uh, there's something missing, but... The, some of the stuff that's going on in TV shows is, I, I think, will tie into Secret Invasion, which I think will be the like the big TV show that's coming up with the cast they've got coming on. But mm-hmm. you know, effectively, what everything is missing at the moment is the Infinity Stones. That was the thing that linked everything yeah. to Endgame. Every every film had a consequence that was built, whether it was something like Thor: Dark World, uh, Dark World, Dark World, Dark World, Dark, Dark World which yeah. introduced the, uh, the ether and everything like that. Yeah. And I think it. That's what I had, and at the moment we don't have that. But what I think Loki has done is 
and what I think you'll see, maybe not maybe not with Shang-Chi and stuff, but there should always be something in the credits that links to all of this, shouldn't there? There should be yeah. the end credits think, yeah. of Shang-Chi, whether he gets approached by whether he gets approached by someone like Nick Fury or if he if someone else approaches him, someone from the other universe or the multiverse or something, everything should um everything needs to link regardless of how small or big it is but i think the not having the infinity stones that is something we don't have at the moment i i do think because of the rejigging of the mcu now with covid i think it's probably not quite as streamlined as it could have been um yeah i feel i I just feel like the the multiverse and the branching of the timelines could be the the infinity stones it could be the 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 new infinity stones but in the sense that um, the Infinity Stones are like big world ending, whereas the multiverse is just, you don't know what's there. It's the unknown. Um, you put Thanos in a different situation. He wouldn't, if, if Loki says in the show, doesn't he? He says the timeline is, that's it. That's like, this is the biggest thing. Like all this time, yeah. with Thanos focusing on Infinity Stones and him focusing on conquering the world, the timeline, that's the thing. That's the thing, and yeah. that's what Kang has worked out, isn't he? For all his variations and everything, that he's realised that's the timeline is the most important thing. Yeah, so. and and I feel like that's the thing that they um, they should really just hone in on now for the next like five years is saying that all of these characters who have gone through this huge endgame level thing are now hit with this, which is unknown. Like with Thanos, it's sort of like you know you need him to not get the Infinity Stones. You need to stop him. You need to do all this. But the multiverse is genuinely like the complete unknown because with Kang, you could meet a version of him that's not too awful, but he's still out to get something. Or you could meet Kang the Conqueror who is like going to ruin your day. Um, it has to, I mean, there has to be the bigger, the bigger end, like we said with Secret Wars. Like if Kang is the yeah. thing that is the bad, that's wrecking the the timelines then you have to you, you could easily fit dr doom in there who wants to harness this as well and he wants to have control over everything he wants to be yeah. the next king yeah whether that ends in like you said in five years time with something like galacticus basically coming to devour everything yeah um, i feel like in a, in the in the kind of uh more concise way i think of what i've been trying to say is that i i think after endgame what i have always wanted the MC to do and what Loki has done perfectly is it needs to go more personal. It needs to be about these people who are left over in the wake of this huge thing, figuring out who they are and where they fit in the world, what their purpose is, like what, why they're the superhero that they are, that kind of thing. Um, and, um, and then give them the next thing. And then go, okay, I sort of know who I am, but this has hit me and now I need to step up and 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 fight against it. Which is Loki. You know, Loki starts at the start of it with this, I am gonna fucking rule the TVA because that is everything. And then by the end of it, he's like, I sort of know who I am. And I'm now the person who is very aware of how effective things can get by decisions. And this is the biggest decision anybody could have to make and yep. um I, I i haven't taken the, the the time or the chance to kind of properly think about it and now it's gone wrong i think they are clearing up a little bit i mean for all of our sort of 
negatives about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Obviously, they put it took a long time to get there, but they got they got Falcon in the Captain America seat now. Yeah, They've got Bucky. Bucky Barnes has cleared his slate in a way, so he's on the right track. Obviously, you've got Scarlet Witch. She hasn't got any lingering hmm. uh, things now, and obviously, Peter Parker's arc and far from far from home. Obviously, easily they could have done the Iron Man stuff again and again, but they've put him on a different path now as well, although he's a bit screwed because everyone knows who he is. But, like, I feel like they've done it, but I'm, I'm a big believer that if you had had... You ended with the with uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, and if it had gone according to plan, which was Falcon and Winter Soldier and Black Widow, plus the end credits in those, then if you had if you had then gone into Division and then into Loki... Uh, I guess internals would have been out as well. I just, I think it would have flowed a lot better. Um, yeah. I, th- I think the, the thing would have been clearer. Um, as you say, I, I think you'd know more where they're going with it. I think the thing that, I think it's the way that it's been done in the, um, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I feel like there, there is a, as I've said before, there's a better version of that story. And I feel like if they'd followed the Loki, Loki, the, it's your show um, the Loki uh, I feel like if they'd followed the Loki route and kept it more personal and more about these people trying to figure themselves out rather than these big action set pieces and then you know Falcon Wind Soldier ends in a piece of dialogue trying to rouse the country that you know they're trying to back this new Captain America but it it feels hollow because the rest of the season has just been fucking nothing. Um, whereas Loki ends on a piece of dialogue that you're just kind of like means everything after what yeah, the characters yeah, have I gone agree. through. And I, I think that is the testament between taking your time and, and developing your characters and developing what they want and what they um, need and go through. And, Loki felt uh, like Empire Strikes Back. It felt like these people start with this thing that they know they're fighting against and this thing that's happening and then something shifts and they're like, okay, we've got this all wrong. And it ends on this kind of like, shit, um, things have gone south. Um, and I, I feel like that's a good kind of place as well to at some point when we jump to He-Man, I think He-Man does the exact same. Like I think Masters of the Universe does the exact same. It's got that same sensibility. Um, I just, I, I really, really respect Loki because it didn't fall into the trap of being just another MCU entry. It, it was its own thing. It holds up and I'd happily watch it again. Yeah, the stakes um, were really high, weren't they? Which is so high. But you didn't to. know that at the start. That's the beauty of no, it. Like, it starts and you're kind of like, I literally don't know what this show is going to be about. Um, and it just develops and develops and yeah I just absolutely love it also before we do move on to Master of the Universe I have to give them a special shout out because fucking genius that they put on the Thanos helicopter oh yeah Thanos copter yeah that is the coolest thing you could do there are loads of easter eggs aren't they that whole the whole um, drop whatever it's called the void that's what it's called yeah, they had Yellow Jacket's helmet was in there as well. Yeah, I saw really that. Cool. Yeah. Um, there are loads, loads of little nods, which is fantastic. And that's yeah. that all takes time, doesn't it? It's all time to say, right, let's put that here and let's do this here. And yeah. Fantastic. Uh, what a fantastic. I mean, that 
if I liked the episode, I really liked the Void episode because I just thought it was so, again, they they hit the right notes, the right beats. It, it didn't outstay its welcome either. And just what what a what a cool thing as well with these shows, especially that they're, they're giving us all these old school costumes as well, like classic yeah. Loki, yeah, Scarlet Witch, Vision. Obviously, we've had Captain America in his before as well. Luke Cage in the Netflix shows. So it's a great, although there are some pockets of, yeah, they could do this and they could do that and what we hope for and everything and anything could change. But yeah, it's, it's a great time to have a show like Loki, which you never you never would have thought when when Thor came out, the kind of uh, random one that was obviously the first Thor film. You never would have thought we'd be here in, I don't know, what is it, 10 years' time? Yeah. And uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki would be as awesome as, as everyone yeah. knew he was going to be. Yeah, really cool. And um, the the last thing I've got to say about Loki is um, the scene where Tom Hiddleston sings. That's a good. So a good scene. fucking good. Like pitch perfect. Um, and again, there's like a somberness. I feel like the whole show, there is a somber feeling to it. Yeah. And that just wasn't what I was expecting at all. And it, it blew me away. I fucking loved it. I was a little bit gutted because in the trailer you could see it turns out it's Sylvie when the end of that planet's happening and it's purple and she's sitting down in yeah. the trailer that looked like Black Widow. I was I was really sure there was going to be like Loki somehow ending up in this place where Black Widow's soul or something is. So although it worked out much better, but I was like I was so sure it was going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, I was pretty but, sure it was going to be Lady Loki. So we were both wrong. But both. Um, yeah. So what would you give it a consistent K rating? What would you say? I feel that this is going to be your highest MCU rating so far. Um, oh. I think I'd give it a nine. Oof, that's big. Which I think is what I gave the Snyder Cut, I think. Oof, oh dear. I mean, it's amazing. But um, would... yeah, nine. I'd give it an eight. Ooh. Gosh, I'm higher than you. That's rare. You are. It's rare, yeah. I would have gone. I would have gone ten until you said nine. I mean, you gave uh, Batman and Robin a ten. Oh, so good. I I would give it an eight, just only because I just I think there's more to come. I think I think season two could be just as good. So I'm always always room for improvement, Nick. Unless it's uh, Civil War, which is perfect. No. I talked about we, uh, the other night, by the way, just after seeing Black Widow, and I was like, yeah, you know. Civil War. Oh, it's no shit. Civil War. Oh, oh my God. No, it isn't. Watch it again. <laughs> Watch it, and then when you see Queens pop up, just be like, oh, yeah. I'd actually, no, when that does pop up, I'm like, that's really cool. And then um, I'm sort of just pissed off because I know that their version of Peter Parker is awful. But, you know, it's fine. No, it isn't. I mean, uh, right, let's Andrew move Garfield. on. This. Let's step away <laughs> from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Loki and dive headfirst into something we've never talked about on the show. We've never brought up He-Man before, but the new Netflix series, Masters of the Universe Revelation. So before we jump in, actually, there's one thing about Loki that I hadn't mentioned um, that I've just thought of. And I wanted to make sure I said it because I just thought it was fucking amazing. Um, In the first episode, there's the shot of the TVA and it like, pans through a window and then looks out across the whole TVA and there's like the cars flying and there's just like basically a city or something. Yeah. That shot, when I saw that, I was like, this is incredible. 
and part of it was because they stayed on it so long like i feel like in mcu films or in anything else it would have been kind of a quick they'll show you it they'll pan that's it this like lingers on what the tva is and everything's sort of like living breathing moving and then the score which i've talked about previously as well but the score for that exact moment hits correctly where it's this like weird ambiance kind of unsettling thing and i thought it was such a cool introduction to the place because you just feel like something sinister is going on and and yeah i just thought it was awesome as a visual so nice had to feel like i need to go back and watch it now it's so cool it's just like such a bizarre thing and yeah in the first episode i was like bold like it difference so we're ending the loki part of the episode by talking about the beginning of loki yes which is how all episodes should wrap up when they talk about a section exactly i'll check it out i bloody love the score i know we've said that already but it's so good yeah listen to it so much it's so good so good shall we dive into the second half of this glorious episode let's do it we have the power we do have the power so i well, we're going to talk about Master of the Universe Revelation, mm-hmm. which just landed on Netflix. It's five episodes long. Yeah. First part, part one, I have two. One, so yeah. I've no idea when the second part's coming. But I think I it's... Shoot. I've heard a rumour that it is either the end of the year or beginning of next because mm. I was watching an interview with Kevin Smith, who, for anybody who doesn't know, he basically outlined the show. He showrunned it. Um, he said in this interview that the reason Netflix split it into two halves is in the chance that there is a second season there isn't as long a wait between seasons that makes sense so he's not Kevin he's not confirming a second season but he's saying that there's a intention I guess yeah yeah all right of anyone who doesn't know about He-Man and Mass Universe, this particular Netflix show is a sequel, or I guess a direct sequel from the original 1983 television show, which was two seasons long. It was 65 episodes, I think. 65 One. or 85. I think it was 65 episodes. Um, and there's been a few different spin-offs since then, like She-Ra and everything has all come over the last few years. Yeah. But this is... Uh, a direct sequel and there's also been a, a comic which ties that original run and this run together which is coming out now through Dark Horse Comics so they're only on issue one at the time we're recording this issue two is just around the corner and that the first the original series focused heavily on He-Man and Skeletor and the comic is also focused on He-Man 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 nice but this show doesn't really focus that much on He-Man now, like we said, with everything else, like the Loki stuff as well, there are spoilers because we're just going to have to... There's no way around the spoilers. Yes. This series doesn't really have He-Man in it. No. Or Skeletor. No. But, so I'm going to set it out now. Mm. I have a lot of positives about this show. But I also mm. have some negatives about this show. Okay. So, do you want to be all positive first and then I'll join in? I can do, yeah. Um, so, going into this... I hadn't religiously watched He-Man um, in the, I think I've seen the odd episode. I'd completely forgotten until recently when I watched an interview with Kevin Smith 
um, that the show back in the 80s was like a moral show, that it would end with them telling you a moral, um, which I had just completely blanked out. I just didn't remember that. Um, and so going into this, I was sort of a bit worried that I was going to be a bit um, kind of drowning in I don't understand. But I think the show does a good job of just easing you into it. I think it's sort of like, this is the setup. They've got that awesome intro. The intro is fantastic. Which is done by, I think it's Liam Cunningham who does Yeah, the, I think it yeah. is, yeah. That's just, the minute I start watching it, I was like, this is fucking amazing. I also felt like a kid because I was watching it eating cereal in the yeah. morning. Cereal. Yeah. I, I watched it with cereal as well. Yeah. The- <laughs> oh, classic. The reverse kid. <laughs> yeah. The intro um, is great. I love it. Made you feel like you're watching like an old Toys R Us advert or something. Yeah, and the score was incredible. Like Bear McCreary doing the score is huge. Um, it was sort of hard not to to watch it. I think and be like a little bit pumped. It was like, yeah, fucking yeah, Let's do this. Um, and uh, one of the things that I really want to do is because I know they've had a push on this, and so I want to kind of like make sure we're acknowledging it is this show is very much a writer's show um so in the the first five there's obviously five writers so the first episode is written by kevin smith who if nobody knows him where have you been um he he's awesome i really like kevin smith um he wrote and directed things like clerks more rats jane silent bob the second episode is written by dia mishra uh, the third episode is written by Mark Bernardin. Fourth episode is Tim Sheridan, who we'll probably be talking about some of his work later on because he's done the Batman Long Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in our in-depth series. And the fifth episode is written by Adam Carrasco. Karas- I could be really wrong on that, but... I'm not like I'm not very good with surnames. We, we already know this. Yeah, it's fine. We'll say his name's Carrasco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah so i went into it blind didn't really know what to expect um and i just found myself really loving it i thought it was bold i thought um the fact that they killed he-man and skeletor in the first episode was like oh shit okay um i thought it was really epic the way it was done as well um i just thought it was big bold storytelling I thought it was interesting how they do He-Man as sort of like a memory through the episodes that you sort of have some flashback. Um, I thought it was good. It didn't always fit, but I thought it was it was fine and it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, the voice cast is insane. I think everybody nails that really well. Um, and I just, yeah, I just, I thought in terms of storytelling, it's really big, it's bold, takes chances, um, and also, I, I, I know it's had a lot of criticism, which I'm sure we'll get to, but I think a lot of people are forgetting that this is the first part, that they wrote 10 episodes. They haven't written five and then released them. They've written 10 episodes. And so I feel like a lot of the criticism that's being thrown at it is like, well, you haven't seen the whole story yet. So you can't judge. Like, they didn't plan it to be released in two parts. They wrote 10 no. episodes. So that's where I strongly agree with you because i so i so i think if this all came out as 10 episodes i don't think it would have got as much of the criticism criticism as it has because the episodes are quite short yeah Uh, i watched all five in 
I think you and I spoke after I'd seen them. I think I watched them all within like two or three hours, whatever it adds up to be, back to yeah. back. And they, it was done within a blink. Hmm. And I think if you had the other five episodes straight after, then you would probably see a full, complete story. Yeah. And there wouldn't be so much outrage about it. Mm-hmm. But they haven't released it like that. So there is going to be a bit of outrage because there are a lot of people that are big fans of things from the 80s or just He-Man in general. And I didn't watch He-Man religiously when I was younger. I've, wa- I've watched every episode and I rewatched quite a bit of it when I was at university, I think at least the first season. Nice. Um, I collect a lot of crap, but He-Man has never really been on my list. I've got some figures uh, somewhere, but not... It wasn't for me. I was you know, wrestling figures and yes. superhero figures, Power Rangers, and all that stuff was my was my bag. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure, like now, I would probably get them if I come up. But they're re-releasing loads of them anyway. But yeah. I love Skeletor. I think he's such an awesome character. I've actually read a lot about Skeletor, and some stuff I do have is Skeletor related. I think he's a really cool villain. Yeah, yeah. But for me, with this, I loved the animation. I thought the animation was great. Mm-hmm. love the music i love the score i liked quite a lot of the writing as well i love the intro i love the first episode apart from the ending interesting okay i didn't enjoy the middle that much okay and i really liked the fourth and fifth episodes which are obviously building if you can if you'd seen all 10 kind of similar to what we said about the MT- uh, mtv mcu shows where there's always a little there's always an episode in the middle which picks yep. up again which is Typically, it's been like the episode four of, of most of these things. The thing that frustrated me is that during the whole episodes, that I kept thinking that He-Man and Skeletor were going to pop back up again. I couldn't believe... I didn't think they'd be gone for that long. Even though it was so short, obviously. But you know what I mean? It felt mm. in terms of the episodes. And it, it definitely turned into what everyone's saying, and probably wrongly so, like uh, the Teela show, not mm-hmm. He-Man and Skeletor. For me, it's frustrating because... Everything advertised about this show had He-Man at the center of it with Skeletor overlooking him and all these other characters were were on the sides. And yes, like you said, it was probably supposed to come out all in one go. So the advertising probably isn't right, but it it is for this. They could have changed some of the promotion. And Kevin Smith heavily pushed this as in, this is is He-Man and Skeletor. That's what he did. And a lot of these diehard fans and borderline diehard fans and things are, are, are up in arms about it and that is not playing words for man of arms but they are up in arms because it's you know it's not what they wanted and mm-hmm. obviously you can't cater to everyone there's a, this is we're looking at a whole new generation now i mean this is going to be parents watching them with this with their kids and the kids being introduced to it and if you've just started watching like you said you're fairly new to it i'm sure it works like it and it has done obviously it's got huge hugely popular reviews on critics and it's a lot of it is wrongly so been uh, bombed like they did with things like captain marvel and stuff because there's a bandwagon and a lot of people have jumped on it if i was reviewing it as a fan of he-man but not a diehard fan i would i would give it a good score because a lot of it does work but i was really disappointed in the he-man and skeletor parts because while i like the flashbacks it just didn't feel just didn't feel right and it's it's a difficult conversation to have i guess because you're you're essentially changing something that is almost the male role model in cartoons in he-man 
uh, fighting for good and everything like that and you're taking that away and giving that giving that space to another character who is portrayed quite differently in this compared to what she was in the original cartoons um I, I, and it just feels i'm trying to word this correctly but it feels like they just they made these storyline choices to set up the Teela story whereas some of this stuff would just never have happened in the original cartoon like man of arms would never have just sort of accepted defeat and gone and the king would have never sent them away and the fact that Teela just abandons everything so easily as well when the whole when everything is in trouble at Castle Grayskull she just is like no you've all lied to me and I'm off now it just that sort of stuff didn't sit well with me because I thought it was just they've just taken it in a completely different direction I don't know if that makes sense yeah I get you uh, intriguing I, oh, sorry, you sorry. No, you, no you go no, no you go I'm not trying to. I'm. I'm definitely. I'm more so on the fence of that. I enjoyed it. Um, then I didn't enjoy it. But I can. Well, I don't. I wouldn't be so harsh on it like so many people that I've talked to have been or I read about. Um, I do. I do completely get it. I do think Kevin Smith has. Has sort of maneuvered this in the wrong way, and I think he's reacted poorly to, the criticism as well. Rather than saying that he is. Like, I think if he was the diehard fan that he's telling everyone that he is, it probably would have been done differently as him being the showrunner. But I think he has catered to trying to make it more relevant to the masses, which makes sense. We say this all the time about everything, don't we? We say it about, you know, a lot of the Marvel films as well. A lot of it's trying to get asses in seats. They want eyes Mm -hmm. on the product, don't they? And it's fantastic. It is fantastic that they've presented these all these characters have got a bit of spotlight in this show, apart from E-Man and, and Skeletor. And I think that's probably it in this sums up is that all these other characters have these moments um, and they, they don't give the main characters to the two biggest characters in this. He-Man and Skeletor just don't get their time to shine. And it probably will happen in part two. Obviously we saw at the end of part one that Skeletor becomes Skelegod, which Amazing. is pretty awesome. But then straight away, the little bit of hope that you're going to get He-Man again is lost because then he's killed again. And it's sort of like, when, when are we going to get He-Man? Like this, the main person on the poster, the thing that all the action figures coming out for again. And like, yeah, when, when are we going to get him in this, yeah. uh, in this show? And that's where I feel a little bit, like, betrayed is too strong a word. I just feel a bit let down. One of my closest friends where I live, um, name dropping his name is core he's such a cool guy and he loves so much stuff that i love as well and he was really annoyed about this whole thing i completely saw where he was coming from again him more so than 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 i was but you know there are people like him that you can you can look on youtube and everything like that and you can see how frustrated people are on these videos but some of them take it a bit too far i think but i think i think a lot of them have a right to be disappointed because um, I was disappointed, like I said. I'm not even a huge fan, I'm just a fan. So it was just a shame. So I really liked the first episode and then it ended the way it did. And I thought, right, second episode is still good, but it's just, okay, cool. Like I love I love the interaction between Evil Lynn and, and all the other characters as well. But then just, I wanted it to be He-Man <laughs> and yeah. Skeletor more involved. I feel like I really rambled there, but maybe no, no. not in a 
constructive way, but I'm I'm trying to get across that I liked it whilst also I felt a bit disheartened. Yeah. Yeah, I so intriguingly, I'm pretty much the exact opposite. Um I had only really heard about the story from um Kevin Smith and Mark Bernarden from watching Fat Man Beyond. And so I knew going into it that it was the Tila story um, yeah. because they'd been really upfront about it. They were like, this is Tila's story um, because we felt like in the original show, she was somebody who didn't get the spotlight and they were saying how the show was called Masters of the Universe and the show highlighted He-Man, um, but not Tila. And so they thought they had an in there. I didn't realize that Adam was never in the original series that came from DC Comics, um, which I was like, shit, I always assumed that was just there, but apparently it wasn't. Um, and also the, the two people who picked Kev to, to run it are like the biggest um, He-Man, Masters of the Universe fans. They're like two people at Mattel who just absolutely love it. And he pitched them this story and they were like, this is what we want. Like as a kid, I wanted to see Skeletor fight He-Man and I never really saw it. Um, I wanted the story to be taken seriously and it wasn't there as an adult. Like when you watch He-Man back, it is basically just in and out episodes with then a moral code. Yep. And they were like, we need somebody to take these this property seriously. Um, and I also knew going into it that the show was originally called The End of the Universe. Yeah, and I so, hearing that as well. And so I was like, right, this thing is going to be dark. Like if they've called it originally the end of the universe, something's going to happen. Um, and so when He-Man dies at the end and takes Skeletor as well, first of all, it was just awesome to see them fight. I was like, that's really cool. Um, and the way that they go, I just thought it was this big epic fucking thing. And it reminded me so much of uh, Bat Soups and Justice League. Like, if those three films are about Superman, ju- Superman's in Justice League for, what, like, 25, 30 minutes at most? Yeah. But the film is about him. And that's the same way that I think that these first five are about He-Man in the sense that it's about a world without He-Man. It's how does the world without He-Man work? And how does the world work without magic? And that's the thing that I think I loved so much is that it was like, the second half could be the opposite. The second half could be this, like the world is returning to magic. We get magic back. We're going to fight Skeletor. We're going to win. We're going to get He-Man. It's going to be this trajectory of like, here we go. Um, but I think like anything where there's a story, you have to break things to then put them back together. And I yeah. think like I've always said to you with the MCU, my issue with that is the consequences. I think, you know, Infinity War and Endgame are huge for consequences. It's this big thing. But then the other flicks don't always have that same thing. It's sort of like this big event happens and then it's not referred to. And then this big thing happens and it's not. And it that always struggles with me a little bit. I prefer things to kind of be like, this is hit hard. This is hit really hard. This is where people are at. And I think that's what this first five does is it's it's like empire strikes back it's these heroes are living in a world that they're trying to fight against but it's not working and it ends on a tone where you're like well they're fucked but 
I'm still going to come back and watch the other five because I'm curious about that trajectory of getting getting to where they want to be. Um, I mean, everyone everyone's going to watch. Even the people that hate it are going to watch the next five because they won't not sure. will they? Because they're going to. No, yeah. But but you said there that you know you wanted to see Hema when the Mattel people and Kevin Smith spoke and things that I wanted to see Hema. I can't keep keep saying Hema. <laughs> Hema and Skeletor. But yes, we got that in the first episode. But for people that wanted to watch it with their kids and stuff, be like, this is this is this thing it's it's just a bit different it's almost i think it's i i i I agree with the breaking stuff down to rebuild it but if that was the case then they should have just done it as 10 episodes so quickly everyone could have been like okay so it's broke but guess who's coming around the corner like he-man's going to be back any minute now because that is what a lot of people want to focus on that's what i i've got no problem with female heroes and i've got no problem with them being center attention as well but i i wanted to see he-man more even mm. if it is going to come in the later five episodes, like this, if we don't get this till 2022 now, we're just not going to get that fix that this was promoting. And, you know, someone who works in a comic shop with everything you can get around this, there's barely anything to do with Tila and there's a shit ton of stuff to do with He-Man that you can get. Yeah. You know, and that's, again, that's, if any, you're trying to sell that to boys or girls who want to buy He-Man stuff, you'd be like, oh yeah, but they're like, oh yeah, he wasn't in it. But yeah, not really. He's dead. Yeah. That is yeah. Dodo. Yeah. But it's just but everything you said, you the way you've unpacked it is I, I agree it's it's great and it's spot on and it, it makes complete sense. And again, if we had recorded this podcast maybe uh after I hadn't talked to a few people, I might maybe I would have felt a bit similar in a way as well, but because I've watched it a second time and I've talked and I've thought about it more, I've just I feel like um in two different places with it to what I originally yeah. thought when I first watched it. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it, that happens with a lot of things. I think when it's sort of like you have time to settle on it. And I think especially whenever you binge things, I feel like when you binge something, it's sort of like, that was awesome. And then you sort of have time to think about it. And you're like, Oh, actually was it? Well, awesome? That's what I did think. I actually thought we yeah. texted him when I, you said you had a lot you wanted to say about it, like gush over it. And I was like, yeah, me too. And I think I was just really drawn by the, the animation and then, Obviously, the fifth episode, you have a bit more He-Man and Skeletor. So I was like, oh, okay, it's kicking off. And I was like, oh, okay, it's done. I was like, okay. And I think when I walked away from it, I was like, oh, I wish it wasn't done. I wish I had known. I wish there was more to it. Because, like I said, there's so many, like you said about the voice cast. I thought the voice cast was really, really good. I, I loved Liam Cunningham as a man at arms. I thought he was such a good voice for that. Lena Headey, she can't go wrong. I think she sounds badass, whatever, whatever she's doing as well. But I think, sorry, I'm going off different tangents, but the thing is, because they because they killed He-Man and they killed Skeletor, they also killed Orko as well, which felt really I, unnes- unnecessary. I see. I absolutely loved that moment. And I found out then afterwards why they did it. And it, I was like, fucking hell. So, I mean, I assume he's not dead. I assume he's just been sucked into somewhere else because he doesn't die, though, does he? He just gets yeah, he just taken gets through. Taken through. But... Um, so basically, the guys at Mattel who the the ones that hire them, I've forgotten what they're called. Um, Matt and L. Yes, um, we'll go with that. Uh, but yeah, I've they basically said that Orko was a character that when they were growing up, everyone was like, Orko's just fucking annoying. He's got a really annoying voice. He's just such a pointless character. No one gives a shit. And so they went into this saying like we want to make Orko the character that people want to get tattoos of. And, um, and then they, 
write him in a way that's just like uh there's something so heartfelt about him struggling to live in a world without magic i i really dug that where i was just like this is fucking insane and like man at arms being the one who's like i'm trying to give you like i'm trying to look after you and him being like i'll sacrifice myself to help you guys kind of thing i really fucking loved that um but again because i hadn't watched the original i had nothing to compare it to other than like i knew that they sort of considered this more as like a spiritual sequel and this show was pitched at um again from watching interviews they pitched this show at the adults who'd grown up with it rather than i think there's another he-man show coming um yeah there is um something else coming out they've said that that is basically the one that's like for new fans and for you know kids and everything whereas this is pitched as the like spiritual sequel to the one that you used to watch Um, that's where that's where i think they've got it a little bit wrong as well because i think that's where that's where i think a lot of people are annoyed um i've seen a lot more Again, it's really hard these days, isn't it? It's really tough to to tell the sort of trolls from the hardcore fans that like anyone would jump on a bandwagon. But the, the the three or four people that I'm close to that have spoken about it that I knew were fans growing up, none of them have liked it. Intriguing. Um, so that's that's probably what's made me feel a bit like okay. And then I've I've been sent links and I've watched my own links and there's just a lot of hostility towards it. But I've read a lot of good stuff as well and I've watched a lot. I watched uh, the Netflix thing as well. Yeah. Or I don't know if it was buying it. It was the one with Kevin Smith in the studio, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that made me think, oh, right, okay, then these guys are dedicated to stuff. But it's probably wrong to think that Kevin Smith lied to people. But it definitely feels like he's uh, he's he's in the early days anyway, from what I've seen is that he swayed it towards this is He-Man. Obviously you've said on what you've listened to with the Fat Man podcast that he's, he, he said this was a Tila show. Yeah. Um, the the thing that I, cause in the build up to the show, um, he kept getting flack from people who were like, had read a rumor that they were like, He-Man dies or no, He-Man's not in it. It's about Tila and Tila wields the sword. And yeah. he was like, it is a Tila f- show, but she doesn't ever get the sword. Get the sword, which she doesn't. She gets half the sword, which isn't the sword because it doesn't have the fucking power, right? Um, and so he was like, the show is going to be about He Man. And I, I don't think that's a lie because the show is about He Man in the sense that Justice League's about Superman. It's that it's like, here's this figure who is is at the center of everything and what is the world like without him and i love that the world gets bleak without him that the world is like people are struggling and that everybody yeah like people are trying to get on the the last ditch of of magic and they're trying to just get you know by i I love that shit um you know I, i really like it when you sort of take somebody out of an equation and you say that the world isn't as good without them. Um, and he managed. It's, like, it's like Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, isn't it? It's a good example. Take, yeah, it's take Batman, Batman out of Gotham, it falls apart. Yeah, and, and you can see that. You can see like um, all the writers where their influences are coming from. You know, like they're coming from, it's coming from Lord of the Rings, it's coming from Batman, it's coming from Superman, it's coming from all these areas of pop culture that have grown since he-man and i think 
that is what really grabs me with it is that it was just kind of like it felt like they were just telling a story that they all absolutely loved because they were like this is a show about redemption it's a show about us showing the importance of he-man without having he-man on the screen and i think when you get to that payoff like you got a little bit i think in the fifth episode when he when adam rocks up and he's like i'm coming with you and you're like fucking yes yeah you did you did get a bit but what if what if we don't get what so what if we see the next five episodes and there's still no he-man really I what if genuinely... it's Teela versus Skeletor and then we don't get any He-Man? I know you, you should, we should think what we will, obviously, but what if there isn't? What if it's just... Yeah, based not... on everything I've seen so far, I don't think there is. I'm fairly certain you're going to get a He-Man and I'm fairly certain it's going to be in a big, big way. Do you um, promise everyone? I can do my best. In that, Having watched interviews, <laughs> like Kevin Smith did a special on it, on He-Man, on the, the his Fat Man Beyond podcast and he had the... Um, uh, the guy who voiced Orko. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Griffin. Something. Yes, I've forgotten his name. He was awesome, though. Um, and he did all of... I didn't realise this. So the voice on the original cartoon was... Uh, Griffin Newman. Griffin Newman, that's it. The voice on the original cartoon was one of the animators or one of the producers or directors or something. And then they put his voice through a digital thing to get it that high pitch. Oh, yeah. I read that as well. And Griffin Newman just did his own voice. Like he actually went that high pitched with it. Um, I was like, that's awesome. Like he's committed to it. Uh, but um, yeah, like they're talking about it. And he's basically, he keeps saying, anybody who watches TV, you will know what we're doing. And I think that's true. I think you can see it is that if this had been released like 10 episodes, you'd get to that midway point and be like, this is just fucking crazy. And then yeah, it will just keep getting elevated to the point where you're gonna get the big He-Man and Skeletor fight. I don't. I don't think even these these the diehard fans. I still don't think they would even be necessarily happy. But I think a huge more, well, a bigger majority of people would be like, okay, so it wasn't the start that I wanted, but fuck mm-hmm. me, that ending was fantastic, and that's that's what yeah. I want to see. Like, like I said, I I don't mind this build up. I miss a lot of the He-Man and Skeletal thing because that's what I really wanted. Like from the scene, the because tra- the trailer essentially was just the first episode. Yeah. So when you saw that trailer and you had the the soundtrack in the background, you know the I Need a Hero soundtrack in the background. It's a lot of He-Man and he's got the power and Skeletor's got his fist coming out of the sky. It's all the first episode, yeah. and that is for me that obviously when you see that trailer, I thought that was probably going to be spread out over several episodes, but mm. it wasn't. And I I was kind of like. You know, I was waiting. I was waiting for more of that to come my way. And yeah, you know, but I, I love, like I said, the fourth episode of stuff. I love the bit when they're in the, when they're searching for the sword and they go through mm-hmm. like the, they all have their little trials and everything like that. Yeah, but that was really good. And I, I liked the ending as well. I did like. I like the scattered god stuff. And don't get me wrong, Nick. I'm gonna be. You know, I'm a sucker. I'm gonna be. I'm getting the single issues for the comics. I'll probably get the TV, and I'm sure I'll buy all the figures. Because I want the figures so badly. That's, uh, that's what's gonna happen. Yeah. There's no way on earth I'm not gonna buy that Battle Cat and Skelegod figure. It's gonna happen. Also, didn't realize that's the first time you can have a Battle Cat. Um, Sweet. As like the normal, uh, as Cringer as well. Yeah. Um, cool. They never apparently they never did it. You could always just get Battle Cat, and so now because you can have both with like I was like that's awesome, perfect. Well, well, you know, because I'm still I'm really excited about the second part. Like I'm yeah. probably as excited I was for the first part. I just 
I really thought it was going to go a, a bit of a different way. And I yeah. think a mixture of my expectations not being necessarily hit with the story and the negative view I've had from everyone else as well, which I, I completely understand as well. Like I'm not like my friends have talked about it. I'm not discouraging it because everyone mm-hmm. has, a, has a right to their view and I completely see where they're going. But I do think there's a bigger picture. Like if you take the negativity coming from there or the, or the negativity, that's not the right word, but if you take the anger and the, how upset they are about the whole thing because they're, they're big fans and the positivity that you think and you put that together and then, you know, there's, there's something there. And yeah. I, I really, I really think the second part will, Im- will improve upon the thing that was a lot of people think were lacking in this first half. But yeah, unfortunately the way they have done it, I think a lot of damage has been done with these fans that were, you know, I saw, I saw loads of parents, not trolls either, like parents. Like, yeah, I watched it with my kids and I couldn't tell them how disappointed I was because, you know, they built it up as a He-Man show, like you know, watching it with your son or your daughter and saying like, He-Man is this, this person and this is it. And this is from my childhood and you're going to love it. And then it's just not, not what you thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. I think I find it really hard to kind of um, relate with that in the sense that I don't know if it, again, it's just because I'd, I'd watched Fat Man Beyond, but I, because the show was called Master of the Universe and not He-Man and the Master of the Universe, I was like, oh, there's, like quite early on, I was like, well, there's, this is a story about loads of people, right? It's not just about He-Man. If the show yeah. was called He-Man and the Master of the Universe, I would have then been like, that's an issue because the show doesn't have the title in it, but it's not. And so I was a bit like, okay. But the- He-Man's the front and center of everything. He's the biggest face on every poster. Yeah, but at the same time, I kind of think this is the Last of Us effect. Yeah, yeah, probably is. In the in the like the Last of Us couldn't show Abby, which is arguably you know one of the more interesting halves of that game. Well, an interesting half because it, well, they've only they've only just started to release figures of Abby. They've only yeah. just been announced. Yeah, <laughs> which is like fuck. Um, and, you know, I think we said about that in our very first podcast, that there was a backlash to that because nobody could review it. Nobody could talk about the second half of the game in a review. And there was an issue with that because it was, um, how do you review a game that you're not allowed to talk about? Like, you can talk about yep. the first half, but you're not allowed to talk about the other half. And Abby's half is super interesting. So I feel like there is an element of that with this where it's, I think people went into it with the expectation of something and got given something that they weren't expecting. But I think if, if you really look at um, modern storytelling, I think they're just doing that. I think they've managed to move the characters of Master of the Universe into something that's contemporary. Because um, I think I would have been the opposite. I think if they'd just released a show and it was just in and out episodes, I think I probably would have been like, it's all right. Like I just I wouldn't have dug it um, yeah. if they'd stuck to you know if they'd literally tried to do what the original did where it was you know here's an adventure every week and it's going to end with a moral code I would have been like sure the voice cast is awesome and it looks really nice but I much prefer when things are taken um, seriously and, and when they kind of take characters and they're like we're going to put them through the ringer we're not going to treat them that, that no 
I, yeah. I completely agree. I'm glad that it was taken more seriously and stuff because it wouldn't have worked. The 80s stuff wouldn't have worked now necessarily, um, yeah. which is again what a lot of the what a lot of these big fans need to realize as well that that probably wouldn't have worked now. Like you, people now probably wouldn't enjoy that if you're trying to if you're trying to pick up where you left off. You, there's always going to be changes there, and that is the issue fundamentally with a lot of people is that you know they don't want you know, they don't want female characters taking over male superhero characters they don't want new characters thrown in on a comic when the original stuff works just fine they're not comfortable with change they want what they're used to and obviously yeah. change usually leads to some amazing stuff mm-hmm. um you know we have no idea you talk about the last of us yes everyone was upset about joel dying and stuff but we have no idea what they've got planned for part three yeah I mean, you have no idea you have no and- idea if part three there'll be a male protagonist again that is uh like a huge part of the story. Like, yeah, have no idea. Like, and like, sorry, with Last of Us, the thing that I think this might do the same is that when you switch and start, well, I mean, obviously, you play as Abby at the start, but when you switch back to Abby at the halfway point, and the game's like, okay, we're gonna make you like Abby. For the longest time, you're like, I will not like her. She's she's killed Joe, Joel. She's killed Joel. And her and Ellie obviously fight, and I'm not comfortable with this. I no. Yeah, that's what I was saying with um, with our friend Steena as well. I said you're not comfortable at that point because all of a sudden you're like, well, to be fair, Joel killed Abby's uh, Abby's uh, boyfriend. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, that's right. No. Dad. Dad. Yes. Yep. Dad. So in that kind of apocalyptic world, you know, fair enough. Like, and then. Ellie kills all of her friends. And then Ellie kills all her friends. So fair yeah. enough as well. It's just thing. And I, I hope you're right. Like I hope at the end of this, like a lot of these people and me as well are like, okay, Tila is really cool. I just don't I just don't feel that invested in her necessarily mm-hmm. at the moment. I think maybe in towards the end I felt a bit more invested in it. But you know, I just I just some of it didn't work, especially though episode two and three. And it's not a knock on the writing necessarily, it just didn't work for me. I think it is probably like I said a million times now that. I was hoping things would go back to normal, but yeah. that would have been same old, same old as well. So it's it's tough to know. And I mean, they're doing it. I mean, everyone's going to be hoping that He-Man is in the next part, isn't it? And that's probably, again, what's going to get asses in seats. It's the the yeah. hope of uh, these guys. Like, who, how are you going to stop Skelly God? Well, the only way to do it is to bring He-Man back again. Yeah. yeah. And obviously the twist here is that the ironic thing is that he left, he left the... Um, the like the, heaven bit. The heaven bit. Yeah, he left yeah. there with the idea that you can't come back now and he's literally been out for five minutes and he's dead again. So now where the fuck's he going to go? Yeah. <laughs> so. That's the thing that I love is I just, I love that the show um, gave me all the questions I'd wonder. Um, like I, I wouldn't have gone into the show going like, what do I going to happen if He-Man died? And then when no. he dies at the end, I was like, I yeah. actually don't know what they do how do you do this? And then I just found myself loving it. I, I agree with you to the extent I think Teela's reasoning for like leaving feels quick. I feel like that could have been longer because the the core reason of it, I think, stands. The, the sense that it's like everybody knew Adam was He-Man except for her. And the way that she found out is when he died. But that's not a big deal in you. That's the thing. It's That's not really played up as a big deal in the... Yeah, that's the thing that they said they um, they clung to first is that 
when they went back and watched all the episodes, that stood out to them that they were like, I realize everybody knows except for Teela. Like, the yeah. fuck? And I it think just happened I'd, too quick. Yeah, I think if you'd added like an extra bit of time in there in terms of like having the, the, the grief, but her being angry and being like, this is like, I've lost somebody that I really like, but they were lying to me for fucking ages. Like I fought alongside that person. They didn't trust me with who they are. Um, I think at the, the core that stands, I, I just, I, I almost wish there was an extra 10 minutes of her just being like, yeah, literally I, everything I, I know is fucked. And now I magic's think, gone. I think the whole episode needed a bit longer because oh, everything happened too quickly. Skeletor getting into Castle Grayskull easier than he could have. You know, everything he's done in the past just felt too easy. Bearing in mind, his whole thing is about trying to get in there, and all of a sudden he's in there. So you had that. You had the Teela leaving. You had the king sending Man of Arms away. Um, you know, he man, he Skeletor. It just all happened so so quickly, and obviously just to set the story for these this first half of the season. And it's just, I think, uh, I think all of that could have been played out. You could have had a bit more of a dynamic of. Okay, so now I found out I'm not happy, but let's see what we can do here. And during the midst of them at odds with each other, that's when Skeletor attacks. Yeah, but it, it happened uh, happened quickly. And obviously, that is just to get the story set in motion as well. So I see both sides of it. I'm sure I assume the writers went back and forth a million times about how they handle it. But you have to progress the story quickly, I guess. These yeah, what, I know that twenty minute episodes, twenty minute, twenty five minutes. Yeah, I think they're like 25. I know that um, the end of Kevin Smith's episode, when he wrote it, they had to put in the end part into the beginning of episode two. So I think there was definitely like a length issue there. I think they struggled with that in the sense that um, of like how long they could write scripts for. I I get the impression they might have gone into it thinking like we're going to write like an hour long episode. And then Netflix have sort of been like, it needs to be 30 minutes. Um, and you can totally see it. Like I could totally see where they would get an hour out of each of those episodes because there's so much in there that I just think. Yeah. The genius. first one could have been an hour long. I think that would have actually set things on a better trajectory for a lot of people. So yeah. Um, when the second half comes out, are you going to rewatch the first half? Are you going to then like watch it all in one? Yeah, I think, I think I'll do it. I think that's probably the best way to do it. I think for me is so I can, I want to see what it's like all the way through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I probably would do that. Yeah. Would you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I love this first five, like I'd have to watch them again. Um, and I definitely think that the, I think the story is just going to be this redemption thing. I think it's going to be like, here's the big action sequence. Here's the world without someone. Here's the return. And then here's where things go even worse. And here's where it's going to get fucking epic. Um, I think they could have done it the other way around, though, as well. Like, there's a bit of me thinks it could have been like the He Man Tila dynamic, exploring that for five episodes with her finding out, and like I said, Skeletor trying to break in, and then okay, and then then he dies on the fifth episode as Skeletor dies, and then the second half of the season is right. We're going to try and find a way back to the sword and everything, and then you have a season two. But again, because they don't know if they're going to have a season two, if this is just one complete season, then I guess that way around doesn't work. But yeah, I, I just, I just maybe it could have been done a bit differently in my eyes, but yeah, I think, overall, yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely like, um, like also watching them interviewed, like or the writers' interviews, it does feel like they all did write a lot, and then it sort of just got condensed. Um, Typical. 
which I think is just always the way when you've got a time limit in terms of, you know, if Netflix is saying we want this to be 30 minutes, then you've got to stick to that. Um, but yeah, it, it just, I loved how bold it was. I loved all their story takes. As somebody who isn't a He-Man fan and just somebody who just watches a lot of pop culture, it did everything I wanted it to because it was just, I you know, bold storytelling all over um, with a great cast. What would you give it a consistently okay rating of, considering you've given Loki one of your highest ratings yet? Uh, I'd give it the same. I'd give it a nine. What? I just, it, it was everything I, I wanted from a story in terms of, you know, I, I love stuff where it challenges you to kind of go, um, I'm not giving you the same thing that you thought you were going to get, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to make you feel something. Like when Orko died, bear in mind, I had no connection to Orko at all. But when he died, I was like, fuck. Huh? Um, and I loved Man at Arms and like his relationship with Teela and how he was just like, there's tension between them. And I think Evil Lynn is the standout character. Like her journey is so cool. Pretty good with the, obviously she's Skeletor and then she sort of warms towards the heroes. And then you see that bit at the end where it's kind of like, you could tell she kind of doesn't actually want to go off the Skeletor again. But then she's like, you know what? He's pretty sexy. I also I, I fucking love that line where I think it's Evil Len and I think it's Teela as well talking and they're both like we've both lived in the shadow of two people yeah two people yeah that, that thought, stuff was really good it was very well written that stuff was really well written that was on the boat as well wasn't it yeah it was the boat yeah, with um, was it Jason Muse does the he does um, Stinkle uh, yes no what's yeah. his name is it Stinkle yeah I'm pretty sure he plays Stinkle yeah so um, that was pretty cool as well. But yeah, I, I really like that conversation there. That's the, that episode felt like where the flashback actually worked quite well yeah. because you sort of have the flashback that sets up that moment. So when you got to that moment, it pays off because you're like, oh yeah, like the two of them have sort of been here and they were here in a completely different circumstance. And I just, yeah, I, I always really like those stories. I think where people just... Um, take somebody out of the equation and then you watch people live in that world when they've lost something. I, I like the, the feeling. I, I, yeah, I don't know what it is. What would you give it? I'd give it a six. A six. Oof. Six with room for improvement, I think. Ooh. I just, yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I've probably, again, just like I've been mixing up my Loki emotions uh, with what I thought was going to happen in the future. I, I feel very indifferent. I, I feel... I feel like I, I don't know if I actually really liked it or I was unhappy with it. I'm just in this middle ground at the moment with it. And it, it's again from hearing too much from too many people. Um, I'd honestly say watch the, um, if you've got a chance, just go on Kevin Smith's YouTube and watch his like interviews with the writers because they talk about, you know, where the idea came from and where they sort of um, found their in for it. And there is a real care. Like one of the writers, I think it's the second episode um she talks about how she wanted to make sure she crafted a moment so that people could relive it with the toys she was like i need to write it so it you could follow the exact same footsteps you could do the exact same thing so she was like i really went to town and like had to find episodes where in the past they'd gone to this place where they've done this and i was like shit there there is a real um like love to it i know it's getting panned from fans for being like you don't like the source material but i think it's hard not to watch the interview with writers who 
bear in mind, writers aren't like actors when they're on a press junket. Writers are pretty um, blunt, I guess. Yeah. Um, so when you watch it with these people, they're just all super excited about it and love it, and it it feels like a passion project. So I'll watch it. I'll watch after this. You. I think I'll, I'll have a look. See if yeah. it makes me feel any different. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to go over about it? I think that was everything. I think, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd honestly just implore people to go watch it because I think as an animation... I think, I think everyone people, should watch it. Yeah. Everyone should watch it. Even the people that are saying they're not going to watch it because they've heard... I think that's the one thing that drives me more crazy about like people that don't like it is that some of them haven't even seen the whole thing. They're just... Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to like it because I know it's... Like, He-Man's not in it. It's like, gotta. we said that with like, The Last of Us and stuff. Yeah, just because you know Joel dies, Jesus Christ, go and play that game or you know anything like that. It's like oh, just because Captain America is Falcon now, Jesus Christ, go and read that comic because it's a really good yeah. comic. All right, cool. That was good fun. Awesome. All right, that's it for our Loki and Masters of the Universe Revelation episode. If you're interested in finding out more about Consistently OK Podcasts, you can follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at ConsistentlyPod, and on YouTube you can search for Consistently OK Podcast and find us there. We stream on all podcast services and each episode coming out on Wednesdays. If you're an Apple Podcast subscriber, you can subscribe for extra content. Our next episode is another in-depth Batman episode, and this time it is the almighty Batman and Robin episode. And we have our very, very good friend, the lovely, wonderful Harry Hughes, is joining us to dissect that film. And um, Cowabunga. Cowabunga. Long live Mr. Freeze. Yeah. So if you've been following our in-depth series, then that is the next one in line. So it's the end of the Joel Schumacher Batman films. Thanks, sweet baby Jesus. So sad. And then we go on to the Christopher Nolan stuff. Hooray! Although in the middle, we are talking Batman comedy. Oh, that's true. What a, a little break in the middle, so, yeah. which is great as well. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Nick, as always, and everyone for listening. All right. Bye, Nick. See you later, dude. Have a good one. Bye.